Welcome to the New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, the New Mind Creator. Today, I'll be interviewing Susan Swartz. Please make sure to hit the subscribe button so that you receive alerts when new episodes are available on Sundays at 9 p.m. Eastern Time. Also, please leave me a review on iTunes or Spotify. Susan, where did you uh, actually grow up? I grew up in the middle part of the United States in the Midwest. And where is that? Minnesota. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. It gets really cold there. I've been there before. It gets freezing cold. It's freezing cold. Very much. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And how were you growing up? Did you always want to become, uh, you know, a PhD or... What was your thoughts as a child? Well, to become a PhD fit in with the idea to know as much as I could and the value of education. So it was a a natural, and that was from within myself. It was encouraged by my family and supported, but it really came from within me, my love of learning and reading always. And were your parents PhDs as well? No, they were not, but they valued education and higher education. So the the encouragement and the atmosphere to learn and know as much as you could was very evident. And what does it mean to be trained as a Jungarian uh, <laughs> uh, analyst? I'll... I'll Correct your pronunciation. Jungian. Yes, you Jungian. got it. I'm sorry. Jungian <laughs> analyst. It means actually an in-depth approach to the psyche, to one's life, to one's life with others, to and that includes also culture, collective. So it's a personal exploration in depth and a, an explanation of oneself also in relation to the world, not an explanation, but a, an opportunity to widen what one knows about oneself. It, it's a work that lasts a lifetime in a way. And once one gets started on the excitement to know about oneself and others in a deeply interior way, you don't want to stop because it's very interesting. How did your internal world change, your perspective change from when you began your exploration and, you know, until now? I ask that because we are limited into our experiences and our ability Mm -hmm. to explore uh, internally and intellectually being exposed to things. So when I before I went into the military. I was accustomed, I was raised in a certain environment like everyone is. And for music, I listened to primarily rap music, R&B, rhythm blues. And when I got into boot camp, I had uh, a Caucasian one uh, guy. He asked me, he was like, hey, come over here. I want you to hear something. And I said, what is it? He said, it's uh, rock And I was like, nah, man, I don't want to hear that. Because in my mind, 
Yeah. All I knew was rock was, you know, loud, clamorous. But he's like, no, no, no. He's like, it's not that. He's like, it's soft rock. So he, you know, kept asking me. So I was like, okay, I'm going to, you know, come over. And I listened to it and I was like blown away from the rhythmic sounds. And I was like, oh my goodness, this is good. So from that experience of my willingness to enter something that I did not know, expanded even my musical taste went from there to jazz to classical and all different types of things. So I experienced uh, that was my experience for something as simplistic as music. How was yours? Well, however, your um, story is quite moving in the sense that it parallels psychological exploration. So if you stay on your same block, metaphorically, Yes. You don't, you don't really learn much. But if you go other places in your mind, you open your mind to what is beyond what you have known. So we're all limited, but we can expand. And that expansion challenges. It gives us new experiences. We're a little off center because we don't know it. But oh, my goodness, it makes the world such an amazing place to live. And we can understand so much more about ourselves by opening to others more so. I mean, I think that's always true, but it's even more so true now that we open our minds and our hearts to learn about others, other people, other countries, other food, other music, other parts of our psyche. And then we are really enriched. It, your, your analogy is a, is a great one for psychological growth. Yes. And how has yours been? Uh, you know, you've been on this journey for a while and you had one perspective, of course, when you began. And in what ways have you noticed you've expanded? Well, it's only gotten bigger. And what's gotten bigger is my desire for more, more Mm -hmm. knowledge, more life, more experiences, more, more, more. And it's like a thirst for expanding the world, my world, so it doesn't get too small. So I always appreciate talking with, you know, people that come to see me who have got really quite a different background it's, it's great because we shouldn't be like each other, but we should want to understand what is different because maybe that is actually part of who we are. So I actually have lived many different places in the United States. I went to school in Zurich, Switzerland. I've lived there for a long time. I, have, I know people all over the world and that has really enriched my own psyche and my work with other people. And what made you go to Switzerland? What inspired you to go there? I wanted to be a Jungian analyst. It is not the only place to go, but it's the original place. And I had always wanted to live in Europe, always, and always wanted to study there and always wanted to go beyond the borders of my own block. 
So it totally fit. It, it, it absolutely fit. It was the right time. It was the right space. And I put everything I had into it and went. So I think what I'm saying by that is that that ability to go other places, either in your mind, in your experience, it takes a certain amount of risk, but you know, you never learn unless you risk. So it totally fit. Sure. And were you still a teenager when you went there? Oh, you can't be a, you can't study to be an analyst when you're a teenager because you're not mature enough. You have, oh. oh yeah, no, no, no. You have to be over 30 in order to really go into the depths. You have to have a long time of your own analysis, which many therapy, uh, many therapies, they don't require anybody to know themselves. They just require mm. them to, you know, read a book. And you can't get it by reading a book. So you have to have a certain life experience and uh, a long time of analysis, not only before you go to school to be an analyst, but during and also after. So you knew this. Well, why is that important? Why is the time so important? Because do you oh. need those experiences or? Oh, well, you mean the length of time? Yes. Yeah, because because you can't learn about yourself in six uh, um, sessions. It just is impossible. And and you can and you can put a tiny Band-Aid on the depth of your being, but you don't want a Band-Aid. You want to open it so that it, it, it any of the wounds, the, the inner potential get exposed to the air and are able to come out. And that is really a process in depth. And the richness comes forward. We live in a world that, you know, if somebody doesn't answer the email within 10 minutes, we think something's wrong. But, but, but actually, it takes time to contemplate, to take oneself seriously, to really be present. And it's a complex process as well as when you're an analyst, um, you really need to be very aware of your own psychology. So you are not putting it onto somebody else. So I might have an idea or a value system that is not that other person's value system. I, I don't want to deny how I feel, but I don't, I, I, it's not right for me to put onto somebody else who they are not. So one has to be very aware of one's own pitfalls and um, stereotypical ideas. Just like you said, you know, in, in the music, you had a idea, certainly it was fostered by your own knowledge, but then when you challenged that idea and were challenged in it, you were open enough to say, hey, Something is here that I didn't know. And that's the process of analysis. Something is here that I didn't realize. Potential, actually. Sure. And how does, or in what ways can a person go about mm -hmm. getting to know themselves? Yeah, yeah that's a good point. Um, well, there are several actually easy and very difficult ways. One is to remember your dreams. So, and really write them down and write down a couple of ideas about those dreams. Like, 
Why did I have that dream now? What does it mean to me? Why do I not understand it? Is it a repetitive dream? So dreams are easy because they're nature part of us. Uh, and all you have to do is say, I want to remember my dreams and the dreams will come forward. Uh, another way is keeping a journal. Another way is watching in the world, you know, synchronistic events happen. Like, why did this occur? It's not random. It's like taking the world very seriously. And um, so paying attention to the meaningful events in one's life and not just putting them to happenstance, as well as in one other piece, which is certainly going into analysis of oneself is another idea, but also having people that you can really talk to who will be honest with you, maybe your partner, maybe your family, maybe your friends, who you can really go in depth with. You know, it's not just, hey, what's the score on the game, but, <laughs> right? But how'd you feel, you know? I mean, what really went on inside of you? And people so respond to that. Um, yeah, they do. Yes. And how being a Jungian analyst, mm -hmm. where is the, what is the origin of dreams or where, where does oh. that come from? Well, that's a great question that people have been wondering about since uh, thousands of years, thousands of years. They, they are, you find dreams in all of the old wisdom literature. You find them in the I Ching, Book of Wisdom from Chinese culture, 800 years old. You find them in the Egyptian lore. You find them in, I, I, they're just all over the place. But where do they come from? You know, a, a, a neurologist, a, a neuropsych person, looks to see where in the brain are these brain dreams coming from. But no one's really figured it yet. And thank goodness, because dreams are special. And they just come wherever they come from. And the other very amazing thing, they're always true. They're always true. So for instance, I, it is not unusual that people have a dream that goes on for 20, 30 40, you can't imagine how many years. And that dream, where does that repetitive dream come from? How come it knows that you didn't get it the first time and therefore it's coming back? So we don't really know, but we know to honor the dreams. And that's really what counts most of all, honoring them. Yes, I definitely agree they're true because if I, when I dream, I really pay attention to it because it, in many occasions, it foretells something before it happens and what made me begin to really take note of them. Um, but it's, it's true. It's like the seed. Yes. The seed has no writing on it. But once we place it into the earth, it expresses that which is within it. Yes, yes. And we're expressing what's within us, the true nature of us. You're exactly right. You say it um, quite beautifully. And um, because we are, we are seeds, no matter how old we are, that we always have potential for development. And in case we're missing it, the dream will tell us, you know, 
you need to do this. This is up. And when you said uh, dreams are a little prophetic, yes, they are. How you know they're prophetic is when the thing has already happened. So there's mm. that. But they, but they really help guide. They're amazing guides. And, and where does that guiding nature come from? Somewhere inside of us that is just, it's not magic. It's just there. And our seeds are, are always there. As long as we're alive, of course we have seeds. And uh, yeah, it, they come through the dreams. And you, if you don't pay attention, like I said, they'll just nicely repeat themselves. They, they won't stop. They're very insistent on healing, on healing and health. On healing and health. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, let me just say one thing in addition to that. Uh, a lot of people that I've worked with, if they're not feeling well, they might consult their dreams and say, you know what? What should I do? The dreams actually will tell them this has really happened. It's remarkable. What supplements they should do, what exercise, uh, should they meditate or not? Amazing advice comes through the dreams. So they're guiding us into health and about the disasters that we have inside of us anyway. I'm going to make a statement and I want you to just, you know, talk about it. So if we ask ourselves a question, we'll always get the answer. Well, we, we will get something. Now, it might not be the complete answer. Mm -hmm. so we might get a part of the answer, and then there might be more of the answer, and there might be more. But before that, we have to be uh, brave enough, curious enough, open enough to ask the question. Mm -hmm. And asking the question, I think, is what a lot of people avoid. Yeah. Yeah. And the analytic process brings us more deeply into ourselves so we don't avoid. Because asking the question is so, how do you get an answer if you don't ask? True. Yeah, you have to. So that point that you've just made is very important. Sadly, I, I wonder how many people in our world uh, take the time to ask the question, because you have to reflect and you have to take yourself seriously. Not have to, you get to. Take yourself seriously, reflect, contemplate, and um, really honor what you're told. Because you know, you might, be, you might ask a question and you're told an answer you don't like. And you yeah. want to deny it. And you really can't. I mean, you can try, but it won't work. It won't work. It won't work. True. Like you're saying, um, fear. Yeah. Some people are fearful to ask because they're afraid of getting the answer that they may not like. Yes. Yes, exactly. And probably they're going to have to change. See, yeah. So that's why they don't like the answer. Because the answer is, you know, you can't go down the same road you have been driving forever. You have to change the route. And most people don't want to change the route. True. Yeah. Like St. Like Augustine said, he said, uh, Lord, make me pure, but not yet. Exactly. Because 
he's a perfect example. He he wanted to steal those pears. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yes, he didn't want to change. No, he didn't. But, <laughs> but you know, but but look at what he also went through. After he had done all of that, then he was ready to go into himself in a different way. So sure. sometimes we take roots that we might not think are so great and maybe they aren't but maybe they bring us really straight in front of ourselves and, sure. that, and that's their value exactly yeah and you have a book entitled the absent father effect on daughters father De desire and father wounds yes i do what inspired you to write that book Yes. Well, a lot of people that I have seen in my practice, uh, women, and then I'll say about the fathers, the women um, could talk about their fathers as uh, playful, lovely when they were little. By little, I mean until about three or four. And then the father disappears from the story. The, maybe they get divorced, father leaves, moves, whatever. And the daughter might find him, she searches for him, might find him teenage. This is such a common story. It's amazing. I was amazed about it. But she doesn't know who he is. He also does not know who he is. And you see, it's, um, it's a transgenerational issue. It's an issue of the daughter's learning personally, culturally, socially, familially. Oh, your father's really okay. No, a lot of these fathers are not okay. Uh, how have they affected you? Many people learn to just jump over that, and that's not healthy for their psyche. Many fathers do not learn how to be fathers because their own fathers were gone, and their fathers were gone, and their fathers were gone. And so the start of psychology and psychoanalysis, Freud was over 100 years ago, was distant from his father. Jung also over about 100 years ago, was distant from his and didn't understand how to relate. So it's like a space that has not been looked at to the detriment of the daughters and the fathers. And that's why I began looking at it. Also, I know so many colleagues or friends who also had no opportunity to really know their father because the father, where has he been? I don't know, working? Oh, that's not the excuse. And again, to the detriment, the emotional detriment of everyone. And by absent, I mean, and this is rather important, absent physically, absent psychologically, absent emotionally, Abusive is also a part of that. But the absence is something that wants to be filled. So here's the hope, is that when you recognize how much you've lost and you're sad about it and you really grieve it, you will say, wait a second, how am I going to fill it? How will I find a way to communicate, to be connected? Now, not all relationships turn out great. That's not what I'm saying but it's to fill from within what was lacking. So again, it's the, the hope is in the self-realization and the filling psychologically. 
some some relationships remain just not good and that's the way it is and that's something to recognize as well and why is the father's presence so important presence so important um because yeah. is it because the usually the uh, woman raises the child or what's that dynamic? Well, you know, it's an interesting point and it's kind of a, a little bit of a dicey one. So I'm glad that you said it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, in that when I, when I say fathers, I mean the father position. I don't want to say that single mothers or single, a single parent can't also be the father not the disciplinarian father, not the mean father, not the distant father, but the father that creates a certain psychological solidity for the child, uh, a being there, a discussing, revealing, talking about, uh, accompanying. That father position is there. Why is it important? We need those qualities inside of ourselves. So I'm not saying father as in one has to have a nuclear family to make it. I'm saying father in more of a psychological way who who really gives the confidence to the child that they're good and that will create their own self-agency and strength from within. Yeah, I I definitely believe, um, you know, both parents are important because a woman can't give the nature of a man and the man can't give that which a woman can give. So we can live without limbs, but we have a better fulfilled life with all of our faculty and limbs. So we can have a, you know, a mother and, you know, continue with life. But as you're saying, we're missing something. Yes. If we don't have it all. And, And one thing, the missing again is something that we want to, fill, but also the the absence of the father, the, the mother can definitely give what a father could give. It's just that we've had a long history without fathers, and it's a very sad history as a result. And we have been lacking, and so have the fathers, because they haven't had the experience and the joy of being part of the family. Even now, people, you know, when there's a nuclear family together, that kind of classical mother-father deal, it's always the mother, pretty frequently, who's telling the father how to be a parent. That's what I'm talking about. The father position. He, he needs to know that he can do it, how to do it, to, cre- to correct what has gone off throughout the generations. You know, sometimes, even when I speak to professionals, they hardly ask, so where was your father? You know, I mean, they're therapists, they're analysts. Where was your father? Do you miss him? That's a big question in our culture as well. True. Yeah, I think we can definitely go more in depth with that conversation. That would be a really uh, fulfilling Mm -hmm. conversation for sure. Yes, yes. Yeah. Yeah. So what is your one to grow on? What valuable piece of information would you like to leave our audience? Well, I was thinking about that. And I think it has to do with self-awareness. 
But I would also add to that taking risks in a healthy way that means taking care of your body, mind, and soul with real consciousness by accessing what is unconscious. Thank you for listening to The New Mind Creator Podcast with your host, Maurice, The New Mind Creator. This podcast has been sponsored by Abundant Sports and True Serum. Head over to www.mauriceflornary.com to receive more motivation and insight to help create your new mind.